1: Get set for another hour of the latest financial information and economic news affecting your bottom line. Jr. and Anthony are committed to helping more Americans like you optimize their income, reduce their tax risk, and reach financial freedom. So let's start the show. Here are your hosts, Anthony Correo and J.R. Rochford.
2: Here we are, folks. That's Jr. Rochford. I'm Anthony Correo. In the sound booth is Jim Tarabokia we are the hosts of another money show we're taking the break from our day-to-day as financial advisors to give you information you may not hear on those other financial radio shows we're aware the last thing you need is another money show but we appreciate you being here and today uh, it's going to be a little bit different episode i know we uh we talk about a lot of news events you know, we're trying to do uh, a prepared, not scared, if you've ever listened to this show. We're trying to tell you what's coming in the future for your finances, not just a hour-long sales pitch. Um, but this week's a little different. We're actually recording two weeks in advance because JR and I will be gone the week before this one airs. Actually, the whole family, the whole family vacation trip. So we will be out. So we wanted this one to kind of do some general knowledge, financial planning things, um, some frequently asked questions, kind of some stories we've seen over the years, and maybe even uh, reintroduce ourselves a little bit for those just tuning in and, you know, getting a feel for who we are now.
3: Well, that sounds like fun. Sounds And Anthony, you seem to be in good spirits today. I think there's something about recording in the afternoon versus recording in the morning that's doing it for you. Usually oh, in the morning, I'm more on fire.
2: Yeah, there's something about the buzz you can get right before you're recording in the afternoon when you call it a day and you hit the Are you, happy implying,
3: hour. Are you implying to our listening audience that you've been having a cocktail or two? <laughs> you know, you do realize it's two o'clock in the afternoon. It's not five o'clock somewhere yet.
2: Ah, crap. You're on to me. Well, we actually, <laughs> I have not started yet, but right after this, we do have a happy hour. If you are a small business owner, we've got a men's networking happy hour that we do on Throne. Uh, the one on 67 was the second Tuesday of the month. So small business owners, just anybody who's out there networking, come meet us, come meet some other people that could, uh, be good for you. Or just any,
3: you know, it's West Valley men's networking happy hour. So we would, you know, we'd be preferred if you're a dude, (laughs) but you know, I mean,
2: I'd actually prefer if they were not, I mean, I wouldn't be in those women's only networking groups, but they won't let me. So we've tried.
3: We, we have given a, <laughs> we've given it a shot. So yeah, and that's once a month. And you know what? It is not like other networking groups. We don't do a 30 cent commercial. We don't have a speaker. We show up and we have a couple beers and we chat. And you know what? The reason I think that's the best networking, you get to know people, whoever's a good fit for you. If you can use their services, if you make friends, life is good. So normal networking is kind of slimy. You Some of these big organizations, I won't mention any names like BNI because I don't need to be sued by anybody other than the government. But some of these <laughs> big networking things, the pressure and all that stuff, it's like, oh my gosh. I mean, even if you don't really like and trust your travel agent, that's who you've got to use, presumably. So this is a little more casual, but we're having a good time with it. So as Anthony said, by the time you hear this, we will have gone to – and come back from Canada. So, we've got our we've we've, we've got our passports out. I, I took the tweezers out of my toiletry bag, you know, we'll we'll have slip-on shoes, you know, the joy of traveling. I'm looking forward to this. Anthony's a little bit apprehensive about traveling to begin with. I'm not. I'm just not a fan of the hassle. You know, I mean, if you look like you're a terrorist, you're fine. If if you look like a grandmother, they're going
2: to search you and so <laughs>
3: I just, well, they I, I they don't want to
2: discriminate. So that's right. They, they want to make a point.
3: Yeah. So maybe we'll have some stories for you the following week about what we experienced. But, um, and you know what? We're the place we're going. It's not where all the wildfires are. We're going on the far west side of Canada versus the east side. So hopefully we Pretty don't sure have to have cares. too much smoke. <laughs> nobody cares about that. Is that what you're saying, Anthony? I think people yeah. care. I mean, I don't, care, don't right? even
2: care. Technically, I don't even think I know where we're going. All right, do I'm that trying
3: to, to think. Maybe you did have a cocktail or three. I don't, I don't know what's going <laughs> on over there. So let's let's do that. Since we are, you know, we're a a financial show. That is true. But the reason that we're so different than other shows, managing money into the future without a crystal ball. We think when we say you need to be prepared, not scared. We need you to be proactive, not reactive. We think the most important thing you can do is be awake. We want you to know if something's coming your way that could affect your finances. We want to try to get it where you're not surprised. You know, my big pet peeve, most financial advisors, you know, when, when something comes out of the woodwork, makes the market go down, you're down 20%, it's a little tough getting a hold of your advisor. Once you finally do, they remind you, oh, don't panic. It's only a paper loss. You're down 20%, but that's it's okay. As long as you don't lock in your losses, you you haven't lost anything. And you know me, I've said this a bunch of times, I am okay with that as long as the same advisors, when things are up, say, oh, hey, you know what? It's only a paper gain. Why don't you take 20% off the table and pay down some debt or buy some hard assets or whatever? You know, the paper loss, and that's great, but there's two sides of that coin. My other my other pet peeve is that whole buy the dips. You know, buy the dips. That's very smart. Anthony, you always keep your clients with a cash position for a reason. When there's opportunities, you want to take advantage of them. You know, the one thing about having a cash position for opportunities, it, these companies, the, the you know, you, the advisors, you don't make the same trails. The commission gets disrupted when things sit on the sidelines versus being fully in, invested. So when you wonder why your advisor keeps you fully invested at all times. Could that be part of it? Could it be for their own gain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a fiduciary and they care about you and at least your IRA money, not your non-qualified because that's not under the fiduciary rule. But anyway, so is part of that kind of shady? You know, We wonder that all the time. What you're doing for people is genius. You are keeping a cash position in good times and bad times. It's part of diversification. It's part of laddering money out. And when there are opportunities, you are able to help the clients. I love hearing you say to people, so like your advisor, you know, when you can get a hold of them, you're down 20% and they're like, well, it's down 20%. Don't panic. It's only a paper loss. Oh, and you should put more in. And you're like, so advisor, you lost me 20% and now you're putting your hand out to give me more money. Where does that money come from? I'm doing my Anthony impersonation. You know how you did mine a few weeks back? Marin, <laughs> this is JR. Oh, mine was spot on. <laughs> where, where does that money come from? So now I have to ask you to transfer money from your bank over to your brokerage account so we can invest you and hope you don't lose more money? That nah, doesn't make sense. This job is kind of, yeah. I I don't know. I mean, it's probably bad that I say this because I've been here for 26 years in this industry. I think my industry, some of it's pretty slimy. You know, I'm not saying we're, we're timeshare salespeople or used car salespeople. I'm saying we're way worse. I mean, at least them, you know what to expect. You know if you go to a timeshare presentation, it's going to be painful. It's going to be hard to get out of there. But at least when you leave, you're going to have a DVD player or a toaster or something. Are those still a thing? Do, does anybody have a DVD player anymore or is it all just now Netflix? Netflix, good job. Now you're going to make me. I was stealing Anthony's password for years. And now all of a sudden, Anthony has to pony up three dollars for me to
2: watch Stranger Things. Get out of here! And I or will work. not pony up that money. So it looks like you're not watching the newest season of Stranger Things. You are if you, S- pay, oh well.
3: <laughs> if you pay three dollars a month for me to have your stolen password, I'll give you two dollars and fifty cents each month. And don't don't give me that look. That's inflation, dude. I mean, I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> but these are inflationary. Period. And that's I'm I'm in. I'm on that. So if
2: if let me ask you something. If this industry is so shady, and you know you can't really put it into a positive light, why are you in it? Why are you doing because this? Because
3: I want to make a difference. You, you know, and here I'm going to get sappy for a second on you. My family practice is a fourth generation. My name is on the door. In in the day and age of Charles Schwab and Edward Jones and these big wirehouses, we are holding ourselves accountable. Do you realize the word fiduciary isn't that old? It's only like 10 years old. Before that, are you telling me all these advisors were out there doing whatever they wanted? Well, um, yeah, kind of. Hate to say it to you, but yeah, sort of. So we have been a fiduciary practice forever. And yeah, we really do want to make a difference. We tell people the truth. There's people that come in our office to invest and we turn them away. We look at their debt. We look at their whole situation. We are not a transactional office. We actually like to consider ourselves financial advisors instead of financial salespeople. So that's great because we're independent. So if we don't make any money, if we don't help anybody, we make less money. That That's not good. But you know what? Try doing that when you work for a warehouse. When you work for Wells Fargo financial advisors, you know, you wear a black suit, white shirt, red tie, highly polished shoes, You know, those people, even if you took the most honest advisor on the planet and gave them a little corner office at Wells Fargo, you know, the problem is if they don't keep moving people's money, they're going to be in a different job in six months. We have no pressures, no quotas. We've had good times and bad times with our commissions in our office. Sometimes it's right to make good money. Sometimes it's not. But, you know, when I say I'm trying to make a difference, I would say and you know this, Anthony, when when we get new clients, how do we get them? You know, obviously we're 100% referral. We don't have the big co-op dollars of the warehouses. So obviously people say, try these guys. They're honest, they're good, they're nice. People come in, we're a second opinion on their statements. I would estimate, and you've been with me five years. I'm, I'm thinking you'll attest to this. I'm going to estimate 80% of all of the statements we look at, we have questions. That's you, know, you think that's too high?
2: No, I mean, not high enough. I'm sorry. That's too low. I, no. I would say 95, 99. I have yet to really have anyone come in that doesn't. And the funny thing is all the statements are the same. Everybody's invested the same. You know, the, there is no difference between them. You know, age, The maybe age, it's the rule of 100. But all their investments are the same. If they do have annuities, a lot of times they're variable and they're trash. If they do have fixed annuities like we like, it's kind of like a side thought. It's not really used correctly in their portfolio. Mostly it's just stocks, bonds. A lot of times it's just mutual funds. You know, even though you can get ETFs for cheaper, you buy individual stocks for cheaper, but there's a ton of money to be made in mutual funds and that's what we see. But it's funny, before people bring in their statements, I can almost already guarantee what they have. Cause I have seen no difference. I've yet to see another advisor come in where I was like, Oh, they had a, they had a plan. They were doing something different. They were doing something unique. All these guys are a diamond dozen.
3: We talk about that all the time, what we see. and And I'm still going to go with 80% because some of it just needs to be tweaked. You know, our thing over the years, you've been pitched. You've been closed. By the way, that's one of my least favorite words on the planet. When people talk about closing, I've seen, what is it? Glen Gary, Glen Ross, ABC, always be closing. Look at my watch. You know, go to hell. I hate that. You know, we want to help people. You're, you're not a, a target market. I mean, we just want to help people. Anyway, when I see these statements, people have been presented products. They've never really had a plan. You know, when we do our financial needs analysis, we're talking about stuff that they've never been asked. You know, at your bank account, We don't hold your bank account. We want to know, do you have a TOD or a POD designation on that? means transfer or payable on death. That's a beneficiary for your bank account. Advisors aren't telling people to do that. You tell people to get a one-page MVD form, which is a beneficiary for your automobile. It's one page you put in the make model VIN number, you get it signed and notarized. And all of a sudden that brand new BMW you bought doesn't slap your butt into probate if you die. That's huge. We make sure everybody understands, at least hopefully they purchase a personal liability umbrella policy. If you don't know what that is, you know, make sure you look into it in the day of age of everybody suing each other. You want to know about that umbrella policy. So we're well-rounded. Let's spend some
2: time on that. Cause I mean, you make a really good point. We do cover a lot of things that most other advisors don't and a lot of stuff that doesn't make us money at all. But the personal liability policy that is talking about, you know, umbrella policy is what it's commonly called. Seeing them usually, you know, million dollar policy, it adds on to your home auto renters that kind of want them all bundled together so to be an umbrella is an overall, you know, insurance policy for all that fun stuff. But before I joined JR's office, we sat down with the couple and the man had had a stroke, a heart attack. He wasn't in good shape. You know, men tend to die sooner anyway. So almost all the planning we did was for his wife. And this is, you know, I hadn't joined the office. I wasn't sure if this is something I want to do. I'm an engineer by trade. I had a good career. I was moving up the ladder. I, I was doing fine. I was living in another state, having fun. Uh, but Jared kind of asked me to maybe be the fourth generation, extend this family practice. And I said, uh, you know, I'll, I'll hear you out. So I sit in on this appointment, um, you know, all the planning for the wife. When we leave, you know, I leave, I go back, Jared calls me a few days later and says, Hey, do you know that appointment we were just in? We did all this for the woman and say, yeah, of course. This was like three days ago. Of course I know who you're talking about well, she was in a very tragic accident. Um, Unfortunately, auto accident, she killed a young mother, um, two kids, I think their boyfriend was in the car, but it it was very bad. Um, Our client and friend passed away as well. However, she passed away, the husband stayed alive, Um, wasn't in the car completely at home had nothing to do with the accident. But her family went after him for like $5 million. You know, just an insane amount of money. And this is an amount of money that people typically have, you know, we handle for all we handle finances for all kinds of people and all kinds of financial situations, there aren't a ton that have that kind of money laying around. But he was an innocent bystander being sued for all this money, you know, while he's trying to mourn his wife, in this massive lawsuit that could wipe him out. But but he had an umbrella policy. When they found out about that, and they found out they could easily just pick this money up from an insurance company, they settled. So it saved his retirement because he had this umbrella policy. And I think they're what three, four, five hundred dollars a year. They're not crazy expensive. We pray that you never need one. But should you need one, you know, it doesn't matter how much planning we do, doesn't matter how much money we make you. One lawsuit could wipe out all of that. So, we're big, big proponents of umbrella policies. So, definitely ask your broker about that. If you got more questions, you can reach us at team at another money show.com and we will tell you all about it. But I don't know, I always feel like we should share that story when we talk about it because it's absolutely insane. I would be, I I would take your word for it that they're probably important if you told me, but if I hadn't sat in that point and and watched how important umbrella policies were almost immediately. You know, I hadn't even joined the office yet, and I'm such a big proponent of that now.
3: Well, and I've got only two stories like that. I've got the story you just mentioned and one other that was years and years ago before you joined the practice about a woman that was two motorcycles were racing, and one hit her. You know, she didn't hit the motorcycle driver. They hit her, and yet they family still sued them and wiped them out. So the one you're talking about, the person had an umbrella policy and it, it went, it took a lawsuit from $5 million settled down at 1.7 million. So it, it was noticeable. The other one, the woman did not have an umbrella and my father had to help her liquidate everything she had through us, everything else she had. She wound up having to mortgage her house. It, it literally wiped out. I don't know what she was probably 70. It, it wiped out her entire life savings on this accident. So, yeah. and you know, my thing is with insurance, we want you to have it. We hope you don't need it. it. It's it's a necessary evil. We can help you spend all your money and go broke on insurance. You know, what do they call that insurance poor? But there are a couple that we're really big believers in. One is the umbrella. Another, obviously we're in Sun City. It's long-term care insurance. You know, we think 100% of all women have to address that need or the potential need. Men, yes, you're right, Anthony, we die of strokes, heart attacks. We die younger to begin with. What's the old joke? Why do men die younger than women? Because they want to. (laughs) No, not funny. Not funny. That wasn't my joke. That was Anthony. Anthony Correo at Rochford Associates. Conveniently located in Sun City, 623-523-0444. So yeah. And on the long-term care, we won't get into that today because that really takes an entire episode. But long-term care insurance, you have to have a plan. Your plan might be you have meager assets. You're going to spend them down. You know, be careful with gifting. There's a five-year look back. So if you give your money to your, your children because you find out you're an early stage cognitive impairment, be careful. But other than gifting and stuff, we have a plan. We might have to help you with how to do all-text planning. You spend on your assets, then you get some assistance. If you're really, really wealthy, if you got $5 million, then you're self-insured. You have choices. You can go to a senior community if need be. You can stay at home, whatever. You use that money. If you're in the middle, sometimes we're taking regular life insurance. We're taking fixed, fixed only annuities as a chassis, and we're putting a long-term care rider on it. We're leveraging some of these people's money up by three times. You know, We've got the one we call the tripler. You put $100,000 in. It's a fixed annuity. It's got a declining surrender charge, so we're always aware of that. It has to be part of a laddering strategy. But this this tripler, if you die in your sleep, it's still like an annuity. You name your beneficiary, the insurance company does not keep your money. It's not what we had 30 years ago with the life only annuities. So you die, they get your money. No surrender charge, nothing. If you need it for income, you draw it down for income. You know, you start taking your free withdrawals or you turn it into a pension. But if you need long-term care, it leverages your money three times. Well, that's too good to be true. How does the company stay in business? First of all, First of all, wait, but wait, Phil Swift, there's more. First of all, the company knows that they're going to use your $100,000 first out of the 300,000. The average is currently about 2.6 to 2.8 years that people need long-term care insurance if they need it. So the company knows they're going to cover a big chunk of it on your money before they get into theirs. And, you know, some people defy the odds and they need more. They need five years of care. So the the other thing is they're taking your 100,000 dollars along with tens of thousands of other people and they're investing it. You know, it, it, make sure you watch the company, make sure it's a good company that's using, you know, A grade paper bonds, you know, they're using stock options, their actuarials are smarter than the average bear. So anyway, what I'm getting at with insurance, we think it's really important, it's a base. Like Anthony always talks about the base of your financial plan should be income. You know, the people that have higher assets, they can spend down their assets trying to retire, you know, to get to and through retirement, they can spend down their assets. The number one fear of retirees is running out of money. So Anthony's thing is let's leverage some of that money and put a lifelong income you can't outlive that covers your bills, and we look into future inflationary pressure, and we set you up, yes, now you have less assets if we make it more restrictive, but you don't have to worry about running out of money. Then you can take money that's left, and if you're safe with, say, half your money, the other half can take more risk. You can actually take advantage of more opportunities. So we're, we're a big fan of a base, and with a base, it's insurance, it's guaranteed lifelong income. There's certain things that we're a big fan of. Now you take this crazy world, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, they're all broke. You know, Social Security, we've we've talked till we're blue in the face about this. They are going to raise the age. Instead of being able to take it at 62 or 66 in 10 months or 70, they're going to say, I'm sorry, we're all in this together. You know, you can't even begin until you're 70 or 75. Well, how can you do that to me? Well, because it's broke. And because as long as we don't pick on you and we raise it for everybody, we can do it. And, you know, they don't care. They raid that fund for cell phones for people coming across the borders. They do all kinds of stuff. So that's what they're gonna do. And it's not gonna save it. So then they're gonna take the poor younger workers that are putting in six and a half percent right now. And they're gonna say, it's not enough. You know, we're gonna have to double that. We're gonna have to make you pay 12 or 13%. And then the granddaddy for us in our office, because we're in Sun City, they're gonna lower your monthly benefit they're already coming out saying 23%. And if the government says 23%, I bet a million dollars it's going to be 23 and a half percent knowing them. I mean, it's it's just, it's insane. So let us help you. <sighs>
2: wow. Should I take
3: a breath now, Anthony?
2: Yeah, I was going to say, now we sound like all those other shows. It's all this financial advice. It's weird. I miss the being live or week of and giving all the news stories.
3: Yeah, but this is good because, you know, we get new listeners all the time. So sometimes they need to kind of get an idea that we're not all just news stories. You know, we're not just looking for black swan events. We also do normal financial planning in the office. And, yeah, you know, what if because, the world
2: doesn't end? But, right? I mean, honestly, it, it, the market should. There's so many things that are failing around us and we're just hobbling it all together. So there's kind of a, uh, a balancing act of preparing for today and tomorrow. But a lot of it's just protecting yourself for today and the potential of catastrophe tomorrow.
3: And you know what? Good financial planning is good financial planning at any given time. And that's what we're keeping our, our little mind on, you know, a lot of the people that we meet, well, most people, I think on the planet, they want 10 to 20% return with no risk. And over the last 15 years, there's been some quarters, even a few years, they've gotten it. So all of a sudden, everybody's a genius. Everybody's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm in these, you know, mutual funds. Um, by the way, back to mutual funds and statements. It's funny because people are like, I'm diversified. It's like, we we look through the funds. You're an engineer. You break down the funds. You you look at what they're really doing. You do a look back. How did they perform in 2008? They're, they've diversified with like three different funds or seven different funds, but they're all the same holdings. It's funny, you know, you get older, they put you from stocks to bonds. You're getting older. We have to do less equities, more, more bonds. Did you notice how bonds did last year? 2022 was not a great year for bonds. So we, and you know, I mean, we have ideas for you. We can show you a way to substitute your bond portfolio with a fixed annuity portfolio. Everybody hates annuities, by the way. You know, Fisher told us to Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman, you better hate annuities. We can show you enough information for you to research where you might actually become a super fan. You know, most people that own annuities want more annuities. Jim sent on a thing. It was like 86% of all of the annuity holders that they polled wanted to talk more about annuities. So interesting. Well, All
2: annuity means is pension. I've had this conversation with a thousand people. Uh, do you like annuities? I've heard bad things. Do you like pensions? Oh, I love pensions. Those are great. It's the exact same thing. If you know anybody who has pension paperwork through an employer, through the state, look at it. All of it says annuities. It's one in the same. You're just sold on hating annuities because people want to keep you in the stock market. You can't. So let's you got to keep investing to keep Ponzi schemes going. So that'll be it for right now. Um, we got one more segment for you. We will be right back. In the meantime, you can reach out to us at team at another money show.com. You can find us on the web at another money show.com. And you can also listen to another money show doc, or listen to another money show at your convenience, wherever you like, and subscribe to podcasts. We'll be right back.
1: You're listening to another money show. At Rochford & Associates, we know the road to financial freedom is not a straight path, and the journey is different for every family. And in times like these, we want you to feel confident that you're safely on track to meet your retirement goals.
3: We want to ask you to prepare for economic chaos. We want you to prepare for bank volatility. We want you to ensure and protect your assets with a smart plan.
1: Our team can help you make the most of your hard-earned savings using strategies that are right for you.
3: I want more people to sit down with us. When we talk about a financial plan, it's different for every person we meet. We tailor make our plans.
1: Schedule your no obligation consultation today by calling 623-523-0444. That's 623-523-0444. Rochford and Associates, veteran owned and proud to serve Americans like you. Thanks for listening to Another Money Show. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to leave us a rating and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: Welcome back to Another Money Show. We are so glad you're with us. As usual, we are. We appreciate it. We're a little fish in a big pond. You know, we're getting noticed, though. We're getting people are asking questions. You know, Doug is still doing an amazing job on the YouTube channel. We've got about 50 little mini clips on there now. And I've, I've had people ask me, they're like, well, so I saw that YouTube clip, but it didn't really, it didn't go very in depth. Every one of those YouTube clips has a link to the show. So those are, they're based on each week's show. So dig a little further, go into the more button. You can make comments. We're actually reading those, you know, either Doug or Anthony or I am responding to those comments. So it's, it's been great. Find us on the YouTube channel. It's a good way to introduce us to people if we can ask you to help us because if you text one or if you message one to somebody and it piques their interest, maybe they'll start following us too. You know, I mean, we're, we, we took on this show to sound alarms. We did not take this show on as a sales tool. You know, I mean, we are starting to get appointments. So it's, it's been wonderful. You know, again, we're doing the right things We're if we can help people, we'll be honored, but it's, this is good because we're waking people up. So speaking of which we, each week, it seems like we're getting new listeners. Do you mind, Anthony, if we take a few minutes and kind of give people our back our background to how this started? Is that okay?
2: Uh, it seems like a good idea. I mean, we always say that at the very beginning, we introduce ourselves as that fourth generation family practice. I mean, well, what does that even mean? How did we all get here? You know, I, I think that's kind of important. I think it's kind of cool to have a, a family practice like this.
3: Well, let's do it. We have time since we're not digging into the current events in the news. We have plenty of time, so let's let's introduce ourselves. So. And I'll try to condense it so it doesn't take the rest of the time, but you know, oh it, god, it
2: it's definitely going to now. You jinxed <laughs> yeah. it. You jinxed it. We're done. <laughs> All right. You tell your story. I'm going out. I'm napping. I'm going home.
3: All right. So this is not cool. You know, part of this whole thing, it, it will give you the background, but it always ends with Anthony being mean to his poor old gray haired stepfather. Wrong. Never yeah, mean. no, I'm not wrong. Look at him, he's being mean right now. Wait till you hear his impression of me. It's it's <laughs> kind of so taking things back, I am originally from Chicago, Illinois. We lived in the Northwest suburbs. I was born in Chicago, lived in the suburbs. And my father went into business with his father. They had a couple travel agencies. One was called Rochford Tours. They had happiness travel. So they had this travel and then it kind of branched out. My father went into advertising and printing and then it got to financial. He he actually worked for Fidelity, the company Fidelity. I, I still have these envelopes and letterhead from Fidelity with my father's stuff on it. So kind of cool. So basically, they went into business together doing different businesses. And my father kind of ended up towards the financial side. So and it was it was interesting because he never planned on going into business with his father. So, but it it happened. Fast forward a little bit. My father retires in Illinois. He had come out to Arizona and visit me. I was stationed out at Luke Air Force Base. He always seemed to come visit during the winter. So he thought it was so beautiful. I mean, he's coming from Chicago, where it's a little bit chilly at, at times. He comes out here, where it's absolutely gorgeous. So decides to move out. So fast forward to 1994, I want to say, end of 94, beginning of 95. He moves out here, and he's retired. So, But he's not a golfer. He's not a big TV guy. He's really doesn't have much of, of a hobby life. He liked to eat. We're, we're from a short fat family. I hope that's okay to say. I mean, we're, we're all kind of short and fat and we love to eat. He liked to eat and he liked wine. My father was a big wine guy. Anyway, so he's not here long and he starts getting the itch and he goes back to work in the financial services arena. He gets a job at MetLife, takes on a book of business. Things are going great. So he's doing really well. He's getting these vacation trips because he's doing a lot of production and then he gets sick. So my father in the beginning of 1998 winds up with prostate cancer that metastasized and it it was bad. It was in his blood. He basically, he winds up at St. Joe's Hospital downtown, just comfort care, liquid morphine, feeding him intravenously, you know, um, hospice gets involved and they're like, we're just going to make him comfortable. They said, gather his, his, you know, get his affairs in order and gather the family that if things go well, he'll be here for six weeks. Well, he's a financial guy. So he had long-term care insurance. He had a trust. Everything was pretty, pretty well set. You know, the family, you know, people did come in, had one step brother in California. So we were kind of spread out, but anyway, so went to say goodbye to him. Well, he just didn't pass away. He, he wound up in mind you six weeks to live. He passed away in September. Was it August or September of 2013? So he lived 15 years after having six weeks to live. I worked with him for 11 years. I was very happy working at Montgomery Coney Elevator. Shout out to my boss, Ben. I still miss Ben. I don't talk to Ben very often, but I miss him. Anyway, so my father gets this cancer. He asks my stepbrothers and me if we would go into the practice and take over for him. He's like, I told these people, I gave them my word that I would be here for them and and I'm not going to be here for them. And I need you to be there. Well, both brothers said, no, I said, yes. And my, my thinking was, I'm not going to lie to my father on his deathbed. You know, I mean, I lied to him plenty growing up. So I thought, you know, as an adult now and him being, being sick, I'm not going to lie again. So anyway, so My thought was, I am going to come into business with him, but when he passes away, which won't be long, I'm going to find a good, honest, trustworthy representative at MetLife. I had a guy in mind. There was a guy that he worked with that I knew fairly well. And long story short, I'm in Secaucus, New Jersey at MetLife Corporate Training School, got my insurance license. I'm getting long-term care training because my father was the long-term care manager in, in Phoenix and I'm getting my securities license. Well, he doesn't die. Two years later, Ben is like, you know, it looks like you're not coming back. I'm like, it, it seems to be the case. And now I'm here 20, what, 26 years later. I'm still here, but I didn't want to be in this job. Then a few years back, well, more than a few. I mean, about, I don't know now, seven or eight years ago, I started thinking now it's me. I've got an office manager. You know, things are going well. We're taking care of people, but I'm, I'm getting older. And, and what if the same thing happens to me? So I start working on you. And, and, you know, Anthony, you're an engineer by trade. You had a good job. You've never been married. No kids. So you're making good money and you can use it all on travel and yourself. And, and I'm like, come in because it'll be nice. We'll get to work together. You know, take a big fat pay cut. This will be great. <laughs> <laughs> and so you, you, it took me years. I mean, Anthony, you you've got
0: You've never been married, you have no kids. Do da, do da. I mean, did you see some of did you see the happiness to hear the happiness in the in that tone of voice there from I, Mr. I J think R, it was all jealousy
2: from JR, too. And <laughs> yeah, the worst part be. is, you know, his wife and my mother is in the office now and listens to the show every week. So now she's going to see that. Good job.
3: She has the show on. I wouldn't exactly say she listens to it. I notice you've been missing a lot of work lately, Bob. Well, I wouldn't exactly say I've been missing it.
2: Just, just like your home life. She doesn't listen to you. So it doesn't matter if you're, you know, in the office or on the radio or at home. She just she tunes you out.
3: Yeah, but the good thing is I'm used to it. I don't know if I can count on one hand. I don't know if I can count on one finger, even this finger. How many people listen to me? <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> so and you, Anthony, so you come out. I mean, it it took a while to convince you. And the only thing I asked you, I said, you need to give it two years. I said that because within two years, if you're doing the right things, we work hard, you're going to match what you were making as an engineer. I mean, that's how I see this. You know, we, we make decent money when we're able to help people. And I mean, now it's been five years, it's flown by and look how happy you are.
2: Oh, is this the face? There's your cue.
3: Look how happy you are.
2: (laughs) Oh, I'm, oh, wait. Are you trying to get me to say I used to be happy? Yeah. (laughs) I can't say it when you cue it up like that. Jeez. But that is my my favorite slogan is I love saying that I used to be happy before I got this. So before I joined the office, JR was also my financial advisor. I gave him my old 401ks. And we had an office manager, Janet, who used to call me every quarter. And when I had statements and I would say, Janet, you don't have to call me. You don't have to reach out to me. You know, Jared's married to my mom. He's family. Like, if there's an issue, if there's something I need to know, he'll let me know. Otherwise, I just fully trust him. And she was like, "No, that's my job. I have to call you." And uh, you know, I didn't listen. I didn't pay attention. And now that I'm in this job, and people, you know, a lot of people just trust us with their finances. I was like, "Well, I appreciate it, the sentiment. I do." But I was like, "You shouldn't just trust us. Like, you should know what you have. You should know all your investments. You should know how all they work." But yeah, that's just not something that you do.
3: Well, next to your health, I would say your money is the second most important thing, at least on this plane that you have to deal with. So I would take it seriously.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I definitely do now. I could uh, I could go back to engineering tomorrow and be a uh, very happy with the knowledge base that I've gotten from working with Jer, and that's really what we tried to share in the office with others. You know. He's got 26 years in this. I've got five. You know, a background in engineering. I was an industrial engineer, which I, as far as I'm concerned, is a glorified business degree. You know, I can't build a plane, but I can help you with the ergonomics of manufacturing. But a lot of what it was, was cost saving and stretching a penny. But instead of doing it for corporations, you do it for individuals now. So I really didn't think that that transition was... That difficult at all? Well, and you know what,
3: you are—we kind of offset each other. Anybody that's been in, anybody that knows us, knows—you know, this stuff on the radio. We kind of go back and forth a little bit. You know, I call it "good cop, bad cop." I want to say the skies falling and we're all going to die, and and you're like, oh, for Pete's sake! I mean, you, you know, you're the engineer, you're the financial guy. I'm the storyteller, big picture. In the office, we offset each other. It's funny to me how. If somebody wants to be in the office and out within a half an hour, they set up an appointment with you. They're like, "You're going to get to the point. You're going to tell me what I need to know, and I'll be out." <laughs> if they want to sit and chat and have a little bottle of water, they're going to sit with me because you you oh, can be God. with me for an hour and a half without a problem. We, you know, we with just chat an up. hour and a
2: half. That's it. Oh, we've had four hour appointments with people that they no, came in. No, we haven't. And and only if they're, they're 100% new. One and a half. I think somewhere five hours. Just get well, them talking.
3: That's a good thing to bring up while you're there. Cause I want to tell you how we work. I mean, and again, I don't want to make this an hour long sales pitch, but I do want people to know that we are different. You know, when, when I used to work for a company, you know, they want you to see six to eight people a day. They, they, you know, and I'm, I'm talking five days a week. I mean, the pressure, they were like, we had log books at one of the companies. They, they wanted to track how many phone calls I made in any given day, how many appointments that led to in the appointments, how long they took, what kind of close ratio. It was the most disgusting thing. You know, it's, it's like why we don't do seminars. You know, we've been against seminars and maybe one day I'll cave and we'll at least do a seminar on why you should never attend a seminar. But I, I just, I had a bad taste in my mouth. It's like, you know, when, when it was a machine, it was like, so you don't care about these people at all. You just care about your numbers. Oh, no, no. We want to help people. Oh, come on. You know, people aren't dumb. People are not dumb anymore. They, you know, maybe they were 30 years ago when all year, you know, what's better for you a Tuesday or a Thursday, what's better for you morning or afternoon, you know, maybe people used to fall for that. They don't anymore. So anyway, with our office, and this is true to this day, we are basic idea for a good week, two to three appointments a day nobody is ever rushed. And by the way, if we only have two appointments a day, what else do you do with your time? We look at statements. We do a radio show. We reach out and talk to people. We are always, always busy. We do do a little bit of networking. We do all kinds of stuff. But anyway, so two to three appointments a day. And you know what? We're still making a living. But nobody has ever felt rushed. Hopefully. I mean, I don't think anybody has ever felt rushed. You actually think when it's my appointment, they're a little bit windy and lengthy. Well, you know, I mean, I'm good at cues if people fold their arms and they sit back in their chair or they fall out of their chair snoring, I usually pick up on that. You know, if we're having a great time, I'll take all day with them. I know I've had appointments go way over and then you see the next person. If there's somebody else coming in. And I think that's a wonderful thing in the day and age of everybody, just the pressure, the sales quotas. I think what we're doing is a really good thing. And that's well, another think, reason. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. I was going to say, I just think, I think people enjoy sitting with you. I think they enjoyed the knowledge base and not being rushed, but. And know, we've had we've had people come in who did reach out to other advisors that they heard on the radio, and they that's all they said is we had constantly felt rushed, and we were told that we couldn't ask any more questions because they had to go. I was like, "Oof,
3: that's shocking." Can you imagine a finance advisor? Well, and I guess I guess I can because look what your doctors do. I mean, you you just found out you have some kind of illness, and the doctor has you in and out in fifteen minutes because they have eighty more people in the waiting room. That, that's the world we live in you know it's it's disgusting and we're never going to be that you know we talk about that if the radio show makes us busier and busier what are we going to do we're, you know I mean what have we done the last month we've been busier we've come in on a Saturday we've come in a couple Saturdays we're gonna do whatever we have to do to make sure we keep this practice the right way we had to tell a woman yesterday just yesterday she she said she wants to come in as soon as possible we're like you know at, at right now unless it's an emergency you know we're about a week and a half out. Which, I mean, to me, that's not crazy. You know, the woman waited her entire life to meet us, <laughs> to have the good fortune of meeting us, I'm but so you know, week and a half out. you know, I would love to say you can come in tomorrow, but you know, right now we're about a week and a half out. And, and it's funny because I don't care if we stayed till nine o'clock at night, if it's urgent, if she would have said, no, it's, I've got this problem. You know, we, we would be there at nine o'clock at night. I know us. And you know, oh, when absolutely. you said Sandy's in the office, we are now it's a hundred percent family in the office and you have two brothers. So I'm hoping that we grow the family practice with more family one day. And ladies, ladies, did I mention Anthony's never been married? No kids. He is still to this day single. And he is the self-proclaimed eye candy of the office. So
2: <laughs> well, do, I mean, you set the bar real low.
3: <laughs> well, the eye candy of the office. Have you ever had those atomic sour warheads?
2: Like I mean, I guess I'll fun. buy the
3: ear the eye candy the office, I guess. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> so I, you know, there's a little background of the story. We are a fourth generation family practice. You know, when when I hear things on other financial radios about how if you call in the next 30 minutes, your your appointment will be complimentary. It's it, it kind of bothers me because I'm like, well, what if I call you on Monday? What are you gonna charge me for that same appointment? Well, nothing. So basically you're, you're offering up a little bit of false advertising. Is that right? You know, and if you are an advisor that's charging for your appointments, then you better darn well not be taking commission. You know, I remember in the days of fee-based planning, it seems like that's pretty much gone. I think now it's all assets under management planning. You'd know more about that than me, Anthony. You know, I'm from the old broker dealer world where, where it was like, you, you kind of had to pick. You either do fee-based planning you know, or you, you do hourly, you know, I'll charge you 250 bucks an hour, but then I'm going to take you for the mutual funds to Vanguard because there's lower expense ratios and I don't get paid by Vanguard. It's like once in a while we'd find these advisors, they they were double and triple dipping. They were charging you 250 bucks for an appointment and then they were doing fee-based planning and then they were putting you in variable annuities where they got a commission from the carrier. It's like, oh my gosh. I've seen it, those. Anthony, we've seen them
2: in a wrap plan too. Yes.
3: Yes. Yes, we've, we've seen several layers of fees. Yep, you might have a brokerage account where you've got you know a product in there that you're paying 12 B1 fees or whatever. And then you've got the brokerage account. So you're paying something for that. And then you've got the advisory fee. So you're paying your one and a quarter or one and a half percent you know for the brilliant management. Yeah, we've, we've seen that. And our whole thing, whatever betters your situation is what we're trying to do. You know, Anthony, you, you do manage money you know, when we look at the average around us in Sun City, you know, it seems to me like it is one and a quarter to one and a half percent, you know, for smaller accounts. Obviously, the more you move, the less the broker is going to charge you. But, you know, you're trying to keep it at one percent. It's like, well, big deal, a quarter or a half a percent. Yeah, a big deal. A half a percent on your money over 10 years is another five percent out of your portfolio. So it does make a difference year in, year out, you know, how much gets taken off the top. And a lot of people ask how we get paid. We get, we get that question a lot. And I love that question because part of the fiduciary setup or now, you know, it's more we see the best interest of the client setup. you know, part of it is full disclosure. You know, I, I don't understand how you can do what's in the best interest of the client. If you're a captive agent, if you work and I'll use MetLife because I used to work there. If you work for MetLife, they think MetLife is the solution to everything you know, well, yeah, I mean, I hate to say this, but going back, we used to go outside of MetLife sometimes and we were not supposed to, you know, if you could buy term insurance, you know, one of the big names, this is going back 20 years ago, it was called West Coast Life. And we could sell a term policy from West Coast Life to our younger clients for literally about 40% less than the MetLife policy. We're going to do that. You know, your honor, you know, yes, I violated my captivity clause at MetLife, but I did what's right for the client. Are you sure you want to go after me? It's like, do what's right, even if nobody's looking. And I, and I, I look at, you know, the fiduciary. It's like, you're supposed to do what's in my best interest. You're supposed to disclose everything. What do you get paid? How do you get paid? Good. You should know. It's your money. If you don't ask certain questions, we question that. So we try to always tell people what we do, how we do it, why we do it, who pays us. A lot of our fixed business, the companies pay us. You know, the the tripler that I referenced, somebody comes in as part of a laddering solution for their long-term care needs. We put $100,000 in this tripler. The $100,000 all goes in. That all goes in. They don't pay an upfront fee. They don't pay an annual fee. The only way that they could pay a fee is there's a declining backside surrender charge. We call it CDSC, Contingent Deferred Sales Charge. If if it's where you have the full term, you never paid a dime. Well, then how do we make money? The insurance companies pay us. They have they have a job to do. It's It's three things that has to get done for it to be a win-win-win. Number one, and I'm putting these in the right order on purpose. Number one, they need to make a profit. And you want them to make a profit so they're there when you want your money back number two they have to give you a decent rate of return or you're gonna leave them if you find something significantly better you know whether there's a surrender charge or not if you can better your situation, you're gonna go and then third they need help from people like us there's thousands of us around the country that help them by bringing people to them so that's how it works and you know what when I talk about fiduciary and being captive there's a there's a big flaw in the fiduciary rule from the ground up the fiduciary rule, is through the Department of Labor, so it, it it had very good intentions when it came to be. I mean, I really thought it was great because I saw a lot of slimy, you know, activity around me. So I was like, "This is great. They're going to clean house. I, my practice isn't going to change a hair." My father and I always liked full disclosure. We talked about expense ratios. We talked about how long fund management, you know, has been in their position. We we really were careful. So this fiduciary rule, it only covered qualified money. So if you came in my office with a 401k or an IRA, I had to be held to the fiduciary standard. So you come in my office with 100 grand in your 401k and you also have your checkbook with another 100 grand to invest. That other 100 grand, I could do whatever I want. So the good intentions was to help people. It was to make sure you put your client's best interest in front of your own. It was meant for people 65 years of age or older because we're supposed to treat them more carefully. And yet it only covered their... IRA money. That doesn't make sense. So I I thought it was flawed from the beginning. And then where I thought the major flaw came in, if you're going to do what's right, you're probably going to do what's right, whether the government tells you to or not, whether anybody's looking or not. If you're a seedy, shady character, you're probably going to do what's wrong, whether somebody's watching you or not. You're going to find a way around that. I talked to one guy that I used to work with years ago, and I'm like, how are you going to handle this? He's like, I'm not like, what do you mean you're not? We have additional record keeping. We have to keep different files. We have to have another sheet signed by the client showing what they're going to pay us. He's like, I don't fill any of that out. He's like, I'm just going to put it in front. of It's just one more signature. These applications nowadays, you know, when I was new, they were one page. You know, when I started, one of the companies I, I liked, you know, this was in the late 90s. It was called American Equity. And they had a one page application. And then if you needed to do a transfer, there was a second page. So, you know, now it's, I don't know, a 30 page application. He was I think like, we
2: printed one yesterday that was 125 pages, with so all you the disclosures and the applications and the riders.
3: So basically, you're saying you hate trees, you hate the planet. Why? Why would you do that, Anthony? That's just not cool. <laughs> I like electronic apps. I don't want to kill any trees, but you, you darn old people. Anyway, hundred pages? That's just foolish, by the way. Anyway, so this guy said, you know, it's just one more signature. I'm not going to fill in some of that stuff until they leave. So they're going to. I'm going to sum it up for them, and then they're going to sign it, and then later I'll fill it in. Like, holy cow. So you just went 180 degree opposite of the intention of that ruling. You know, I and mean, that's that's the world we live in.
2: Yeah, but when has <sighs> the government ever stepped in and made things better?
3: Are you serious? The debt, the deficit, the post office. Take a glance at the US debt I took a peek at that little bad boy this morning we're, we, <laughs> you know, I keep saying 31.7 trillion. I, I, you know, that was when I looked a week or two ago. Now it's at 31.9 trillion. I imagine right around the time we hear this episode, I should check again. We might poke into that 32 trillion. And by the way, you know, the world rejoiced when we, uh, you know, decided we're going to pass that debt, whatever the heck it was and not default. So you, you do realize they did not put a cap on that, right? So between oh, yeah. now and the beginning of 2025, we could see another $4 trillion added. You know, I mean, Ukraine needs their money. Those pensions so, are going to pay themselves. You
2: think now's the time to buy stocks? I mean, we've been real pessimistic. And we thought, you know, with um, the government being broke and the inability to bail out the market or continuously bail out the market, uh, that maybe this will be the turnaround. You think we have this bump up in the market? I,
3: you know what? Normally I would say yes, but because of the thought of a black swan event with Russia, India, North Korea, China, you know, geopolitical with the the just crazy polarized political landscape that's already starting for the next election, there's way too much on the table. You know, I mean, I I, I don't know. I would I would be cautious. I would make sure you really understand your risk level. I would really watch your exit strategy. So the answer to that is stay tuned and we'll dig into it more in future episodes. But with that said, we got to start wrapping it up. You know, I mean, the it goes so fast when we do the news articles. This seemed to go just as fast without them. So I don't know. But I hope today you enjoyed it. You know, we we the biggest thing is thank you so much. Thank you for putting up with us. Thank you for supporting us. Make sure you follow our YouTube channel. Make sure you tell people about us. Make sure you come see us. We are on 98th Avenue Bell. If you give us enough notice, we can even come see you. So especially if you live in Payson or Prescott or Flagstaff, during the summer, we want to go to see you in Flagstaff. So keep that in mind. Um, reach out to us, 623 523 0444. Email us, give us some questions and show ideas. Team at another money show.com. And Anthony, all you young kids, podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcast, you can find Joe Rogan Experience and Another Money <laughs> Show on Stitcher, Spotify, all those, Apple, Google, Spotify. There's a ton of them. So thank you so much we will talk to you soon.
1: Thanks for listening to Another Money Show. You deserve to work with a private wealth management firm that will strategically work to protect your hard-earned assets. To schedule your free, no-obligation consultation, visit anothermoneyshow.com.
0: Two years of high inflation could warrant cutting back on entertainment costs. I'm Jim Tarabocchio with the Retirement.Radio network powered by AmeriLife. Inflation in times like these have triggered Americans to be more cognizant about their spending habits. A recent survey done by CNBC found Americans from all income brackets have begun to cut back on spending. Washington Bureau Chief Bankrate Mark Hamrick explains. People need to
1: have a sense of hope when the economy is working for them. There's a greater likelihood that people will have hope that they can accomplish their basic
0: personal financial objectives. And despite past recessions and examples of inflation, Americans have never been timid about spending money within the entertainment sphere. Sporting events and concert tickets have always been a hot item. But lingering inflation and impacts from the COVID-19 pandemic have shifted consumer priorities according to morning consult economic intelligence data entertainment was among the categories that posted the sharpest year-over-year spending decline as of march 2023 the purchases of books and movie theater tickets underwent the steepest spending drops at a combined 58 percent and about one in four u.s adults said they're either spending less on or have stopped paying for media and entertainment expenses altogether so what are some ways you can cut back on entertainment costs start sharing or cancel unused streaming subscriptions or you can research cheaper alternatives to sporting events and concerts in your area. Cutting back on entertainment costs, part of our 23 cost cutters for 2023. For the Retirement.Radio Network, powered by AmeriLife, I'm Jim Tarabokia.